0: she's tori and
1: he's nick
0: and this is i want to rewatch
1: an x-files adjacent podcast
0: cold check the night stalker episode two
1: the zombie in this episode Kolchak learns that a series of murders related to the Chicago mob are possibly being carried out by a Haitian man who was murdered by the mob weeks earlier. Kolchak's research leads him to a brewing crime war and a zombie assassin powered by voodoo and revenge. This episode was written by David Chase and Zeke Omarco, and it was directed by Alex Grassoff. And its original air date was Friday, September 20th, 1974 at 10 p.m.
0: Yeah. And like we mentioned when episode one came out and I forgot to like explicitly like state like that was Friday the 13th. Like Kolchak premiered on Friday the 13th in 1974. So, yeah, I just let it fly. I didn't put that in the notes because I'm like, oh, when I see Friday the 13th, I'm totally going to say something. And then, of course, I didn't say anything (laughs) because I didn't put it in the notes. So and so ongoing, we're not going to talk about the opening credits because they just Kolchak goes right into the opening credits and it's the same sequence they use for every episode. And same thing with the ending credits so right we talked about that last time yes although i do have to say talking about the opening credits like this is old man corner with nick I really like the toothiness of the paper that Coltech types on. Cause we see it like an extreme close up when he's typing and like, you can just see like all the texture and the nooks and crannies in the paper and like modern paper, at least like the everyday paper we normally use is like so smooth. Cause you're putting it through like copy machines and printers and whatever. And mm-hmm. you want it to hold the ink without bleeding or peeling. And so it almost has like no tooth. Cause like old school typing was pretty much more about like debossing the paper as much as it was like putting ink in the paper. Like it totally like embedded yeah text into the paper so I just think it's cool yeah. like just to see it with like oh ooh, that looks nice I like that
1: I'm old enough oh. that I have used a typewriter my mom had one that she used for college and I pulled it out and when I was like eight and nine I wrote my first quote-unquote books on the typewriter oh, and man. they were like eight page books um, about me being a private investigator because I've always wanted to be a private investigator I think that's why I resonate so well with like Molder and that kind of like I don't know I love stories about investigators and I think that's why because I've always loved mysteries. I also grew up with a grandma who loved murder. She wrote. She loved Columbo, and you know I watched Matlock all the time.
0: Oh, <laughs> I was yeah. an old
1: person when I was eight.
0: No, same here. We I'm watched saying. like you know yeah Murder <laughs> She Wrote and the Father Dowling mysteries. Yeah, and all that stuff. Yeah.
1: I actually totally. went to the Universal Studio. You know, you go to Universal Studio as a the theme park, and they have Cabot Cove there.
0: Oh, and and I took yeah. a whole
1: bunch of pictures from my grandma because I'm like, oh look, it's where murder she wrote takes place.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we talked previously, I think, about when uh it was I think it maybe when one of the movies when we talked about the Coltech movies, like I would spend like when I wasn't in school, I would like watch daytime, like at you know, at 12 o'clock or one o'clock, I'd watch Streets of San Francisco on like yeah. the afternoon syndication television. So yeah, and then they have like it'd be the streets of San Francisco and then it'd be like Matlock and then yeah, so yeah, I was old too. Yeah.
1: But computer word <laughs> processors are much easier. You don't have to get white out every time you make a mistake or try and.
0: That's true. Yeah, I did. And also in my youth, <laughs> I went through that stage where, like, I'm going to be a writer. And so I went and got, like, an old school typewriter and just basically screwed it up because I can't type. And then so I spent, mainly spent time, like, seeing how many keys I could get to stick at the same time. <laughs> and, yeah. So, anyway. So, opening credits have passed. Boom. And then we open in a freight yard. There's like trucks and warehouse docks, it's that kind of stuff, right? And it's nighttime and we get Kolchek's voiceover. And it tells us that folklore would have us believe that the underworld is full of ruthless men who fear nothing, but that his story should debunk that myth. And so we do know that Kolchak doesn't read Batman comics because he would know that criminals are a cowardly and superstitious lot. Anyway, so inside a truck trailer, there's some low-level mob guys who are counting money from the low-end numbers racket. One guy's using, like, a big coin machine. I'm not sure if it's, like, a, it's supposed to be a counter and a sorter, but it's, like, sorting them and putting different coins in bags down below. So it's, like, sorting. I think it's, like, nickels, dimes, and quarters. Yeah. And then there's another guy. His name is Albert Berg, and he's counting receipts and writing in a ledger, and he is apparently an incompetent. And he only has his job because he married the mob boss's sister. And then there's one other guy, Willie Pike, who we assume is the muscle, but then seems like he actually might be the one in charge. I'm not sure, but he's like, he used to be a former boxer, was pretty much only good at like taking dives. And he's just kind of like writing pencil marks on the back of like receipts and then flipping them over. And then suddenly we hear noises and the trailer starts to shake because they're inside like a truck trailer. So yes. we're inside a truck trailer doing this. And the trailer starts to shake. And we see the door has like a big two by four cross it inside to keep anyone from like opening the doors from the outside. So they all start dropping all the receipts into a shredder to get rid of the evidence, right? Cause they are probably thinking like, it's going to be the cops, right? They're getting busted. And then all of a sudden the door starts to push in, which isn't really how like truck trailer doors work, but like it pushes in and the two by four snaps. And then the two guys who aren't the muscle. So Albert and the other guy, they pull out gun to boom, 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 start shooting, but this is a cold check story, so we know that guns are useless. And <laughs> the coin dude gets like thrown against a wall, but whoever it is that busted in is actually after Willie, and he throws Willie around, and Willie is dead, and the other two guys scramble out of the trailer. So
1: yeah, so fun night at the mob money counting truck.
0: Yeah, I mean, unless you're <laughs> Willie, well, I guess none of them really probably had fun.
1: But, no, yeah, no, not at all. So then we see the INS offices and that's the independent news service and Kolchak is inside and he's gotten to work early before everyone else. And so he grabs some coffee and he's sitting down to finish his story. And his voiceover tells us that Willie was killed by severe blows, quote unquote. And it's a gangland killing. There's no suspects, no leads, nothing new. And so he's finishing the last lines. And this woman in the office walks over and she's delivering mail and she knocks over his coffee cup. And then she's like, Oh, you shouldn't have been there. You're not supposed to have any food or drink in the office. And I'm like, they're journalists. Like what <laughs> else? Of course they have food and drink in the office. That's how journalism works. You have your Red Bull and your donuts and you write your story. I mean, it doesn't?" And there's a donuts. coffee pot
0: right across from Kolchak's desk in the office. So,
1: right. Like- <laughs> yeah. So of course they have drinks. It's silly, but so she gets upset. And so she's like going to try and clean it up. But like, she leans over and he's like, I'll get it. It's fine. And he starts wiping it down with pieces of paper, yeah. which I thought was really funny. Well,
0: it's that nice toothy paper, right? It's absorbent. so Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so he's just like, it's fine. I'll get it. And then he like asks her if she'll take his story to Vincenzo's office. So she just kind of stares at him and he hands her the paper. And she finally is just like, she kind of takes it and it's like, fine. And walks away. So then Vincenzo walks over to Kolchak's desk and he's got the story and he's telling him how good it is. And it's like such a great piece. And Kolchak's like, you haven't even had time to read it and you're holding it upside down. <laughs> so clearly Vincenzo has barely glanced at the thing and he's like, we should go out for coffee in a Danish. And so Kolchak stands up and he's like, hey, last time you invited me to coffee in a Danish, I ended up in Sioux Falls, Iowa, covering a hardware convention and you know vincenzo's like no no i just want to can i a guy buy his reporter coffee and a danish and you know it's just super like come on buddy and you know obviously he's up to something so they argue and kolchek is like gonna leave the office and then vincenzo stops him and he's like no no this is really big the story it's really big it's a police raid there's a tax squad there's a syndicate burial ground and kolchek will be the first one on the scene and kolchek's like Okay, what's the catch? Because you never give me the good stories. And so then the catch is that he has to take Monique, and Monique's the woman who knocked over Kolchak's coffee. And he's like, nope, uh-uh, not gonna take her along. And Vincenzo's like, listen, like he pulls him aside into his office, and he explains that Monique's uncle is basically Vincenzo's boss, and the yeah, I think boss he's is like in the New paper
0: York. owner or something. Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: And apparently, Monique did graduate from the Columbia Journalism School. And her uncle sent her to Chicago to work for the paper, and they've basically been treating her as a secretary, and so he needs to take her on this story, and Kolchek will still be in charge, it'll be his byline, but he just kind of needs to, like, train her on how to do reporting. Mm-hmm. And Kolchak's like, nope, uh-uh, and of course, like, I'm gonna guess in the next scene we just see him with her.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, absolutely, definitely no, and then we cut, and we see Monique sitting <laughs> in Kolchek's car, and they're driving down the road. Yeah. And it's in his yellow Mustang, and she's talking about how, like, she knows all about the malicious office talk of nestetism. And Carl's like, nepotism? And she's like, yeah, nepotism. Like, she doesn't even break a stride. She's just like, I went to the Columbia School of Journalism, not my uncle, and I deserve to be here. And so, like, everyone's basically saying, like, she's only there because her uncle owns the paper, right? So, which is probably true it's probably
1: true but if she did go to journalism school like that's a pretty awesome leg up to have like i don't i mean i get why people might be cranky about it but seriously like i mean why not i would learn
0: uh, she might have got through journalism school because her uncle bought them a wing or something we'll find out
1: yeah (laughs) but i mean if you know I, i kind of I wish that this had gone another way. (laughs) That's basically what I'll say about this character.
0: Yeah, it could. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. So, and I forgot to mention last episode that, because in the Night Stalker, Kolchak has a sweet blue Camaro, which is awesome, and I love. But sometime between the Night Stalker and the Ripper, he must have traded in because in the TV series, he has a like pale yellow Mustang that he drives. They're both convertibles.
1: It's a pretty um, sweet Mustang now. actually like It the is Mustang pretty nice, better.
0: yeah. And actually, neither of them appear in the Night Strangler. Like, I double checked to see because I was like, oh, did he have the blue Camaro in the Night Strangler? Or did he have the Mustang? I forgot. So I went back and looked, and you actually never see either of them in the episode. And at the very end, when they're driving, when he's got, like, Tony and Louise in tow, and they're, like, having to leave Seattle, you don't actually see the car. You just see, like, a frame of a window, and they're driving at night, so you can't tell what kind of car it is. It doesn't look like it's either of them. It's, like, just a standard sedan kind of car.
1: Yeah, it didn't but, look like it was a convertible.
0: Yeah, so apparently he lost. I mean, he did, like, say he spent all his money trying to find Gale at the end of Night Stalker, since they, like, ran her out of town. So maybe he sold his Camaro trying to find her, and then, yeah. So maybe yeah. his job at the INS is why he can have a cool Mustang. I don't know. But yeah, so they're heading to the scene and we see the scene and the scene is a blockade of police vehicles outside a small farm. Kolchek tells us it's 4 20 PM and it's the farm of James and Perry Russo. And on the megaphone is Captain Leo Winwood of the Chicago PD. And Woodwood is yelling in the megaphone and he tells the Russos that they need to surrender. And then like shots are fired from the windows of the farmhouse. And then Winwood gives the, like, General Kala, like, fire all weapons. And just everyone, like, unloads on this farmhouse. <laughs> Cops are all, like, ducked behind their doors because the doors are open and they're just shooting, shooting, shooting. And then we learn from Kolchek that he and Captain Winwood have a long and bloody history, just like the Crusades, but without the chivalry. And so they're opening fire. Boom, 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 boom. And Kolchek's Mustang comes skidding into the shot. And shots are flying from the farmhouse and into the farmhouse. And Kolchak is, oh, get down, get down, get, get your head blown off. But Monique like just jumps out of the vehicle with her camera, like not even looking where she's going. She's like looking through the viewfinder of the camera the whole time, just and runs up to the front and like gets out in front, tries to get out in front of the cop cars, with the bullets just flying. And one was just like, what the hell are you doing, Kolchak? Get this woman out of here. So Kolchak runs to the front and grabs her and tells her that if she waits here, in the trunk of his mustang when they drive around she'll get an awesome shot and she's like oh, really 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 so she jumps in and then he slams the lid on her i
1: know <laughs> oh it's such a dick move it's such a dick move
0: <laughs> she was all into it though she was fine it wasn't like he like grabbed her and threw in and closed it she climbed in of her own volition <laughs> so so then Winwood is yelling at kolchek and Kolchak is trying to stay out of the cop's line of fire so he doesn't get shot. And he's trying to, you know, shoot some pictures. And then suddenly all the shooting from the farmhouse stops. So the cops stop shooting too. And we see the doors of the farmhouse are like just covered in bullet holes, despite the fact like the windows are on the opposite sides of the farmhouse. And that's where the shots were coming from. So I, like, I don't know what the cops were shooting at. That's Like, good job, Chicago PD. Awesome. <laughs> so then all the police like slowly start walking like in a row like side by side, which would not be a really smart move. If there was someone that might have still had a gun inside the house, but they all start walking slowly towards the farmhouse and then like the rest of the press arrive, which is hilarious. Cause they're all like in faux wood panel, like station wagons with like their call letters all like duct taped onto the side of the doors. It's kind of funny totally 70s and cold <laughs> check we get in we get in voiceover that now is the part that makes the news getting the pictures of the bodies but then winwood comes out of the barn and it's like nope everyone get back this is a closed crime scene no photos today closed everyone leave bye All right oh so, something might be going on Ooh. something suspicious
1: suspicious yeah So then since he can't get photos of inside the barn, Kolchak heads over to one of his contacts, Gordon Spangler, who is Gordy the Ghoul. He's a morgue attendant and he runs a numbers racket based on the birth dates of the bodies that arrive at the morgue. So there's like a betting pool. And if someone comes in with that birthday, I guess whoever bet on it wins or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: seems like a fun, I mean, you know, honestly, if you work at a morgue, you've got to make your own fun. So <laughs> sure. Don't have a big problem with that.
0: Also apparently um, so... in the seventies, everyone runs numbers rackets. Cause like everyone's. Yeah. So.
1: At least in Chicago, apparently. Yeah.
0: Well, mm-hmm. yeah, probably. So,
1: so Kolchak drops a few bills and, you know, he's kind of bribing him for info and the Rooster brothers are there, but they've been fenced off by the medical examiner. So Gordy hasn't been able to get near the bodies. But the ME did request an x-ray of Willie Pike for some reason. And so Kolchek gives Gordy another bill and Kolchek gets to see it. And he sees that it was not severe blows that killed Willie Pike, but a snapped spine. Mm. So, yeah. So Gordy tells him he has something else, but, you know, Kolchek's going to have to pay up for that. And Kolchak's like, look, I have no more money. I'm broke. Which, I mean, he's spending a lot. Journalism is expensive. But, yeah, he's he's got mm-hmm. a big bribe budget. It's not cheap. Yeah. And so Gordy's like, okay, I'll give you a freebie. And he's like, there was another body found at the farmhouse with the Russos. And it's a black guy who had been through the morgue last week with 644 slugs in him. And Gordy's like, also, I've never seen forty-four slugs draw chicken blood because apparently the corpse had chicken blood in his ears the first time he came through.
0: Yeah, so they've got the body there. He's actually making so as part of the freebie. He's got to help put the guy into the like the the cabinet. Yeah. Apparently a big dude.
1: Yeah, he makes Kolchak like help lift the body, which. <laughs>
0: yeah. So he was there last week, dead, and then now they found him at the Russos, and he's
1: dead, also dead again, which is yeah. a little suspicious.
0: Yeah, and Gordy the Ghoul will be a recurring side character, which is... Chris Carter probably should have taken some notes on the whole, like, recurring side character thing, because X-Files definitely squanders a lot of good possibilities for side characters. We've talked about that. Yeah. So...
1: He kind of reminds me of the medical examiner who becomes a regular on site. I can't remember the guy's name, but he's always oh, like okay. eating in the exam room and stuff, and just like,
0: they're always yeah, like that's hey. kind of that's kind of like the <laughs> morgue attendant trope. Like they're always yeah. just like having like full dinner in front of dead bodies and everyone's yeah. like, oh, just like what do?
1: Hey. I'm not bothered by these corpses. Yeah, watch me eat a so, sandwich.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, and also, so the guy who plays Gordy, his voice was really familiar to me. I'm like, I know that voice. So I looked him up. And he has played Piglet in a lot of Winnie the Pooh stuff, like from like, I think from the 80s on. So oh, okay. I'm pretty sure like he was Piglet in like Pooh's Corner. I didn't I don't remember, but like just all the stuff that I used to watch as a kid. So that's probably why I recognize the voice.
0: Okay. He, he's like a character. Writer. He's in all kinds of stuff. I'm I i I'm pretty sure he was in the Munsters probably more than once or twice. And then he's just in a lot of stuff. So
1: Yeah, he was listed as a character actor and he did have a lot of different credits. Yeah, But I think piglet voice, like he doesn't actually use the piglet voice here, but it's similar. And I think that's probably what I recognize.
0: It's probably. Uh, that's the thing. A lot of the voice actors like back in the day, they just used their voice. Like It was yeah. just their voice. Still, like, they they... Be, Yeah. Maybe a little affectation, but it was just like, that's how I talk. Like in the Night Strangler, the guy who plays the like the news like researcher guy was the underdog. Wally yeah Cox. he was he was underdog's voice and so now we have another yeah, one. i mean
1: lauren ash who was on Superstore; she was scorpion she run. it's just the same voice it's just her
0: okay we will get into some other voice over mentions here uh, later in the episode as well
1: yeah yeah so the phone rings while they're talking and it's for kolchak and it's vincenzo so kolchak's holding up the phone but it's one it's a scene where like he's not listening to what Vincenzo's saying. He's talking to Gordy, but Vincenzo thinks he's talking to him. And so they have this mm-hmm. whole conversation and basically Vincenzo explains that Monique is threatening to call her uncle and so Kolchek needs to apologize and Gordy's telling Kolchek that when the body came through last week it was processed and then it was buried. And so as they have this conversation, it basically sounds like Kolchek's agreed to apologize to Monique, but he actually mm-hmm. hasn't heard a single freaking word. And so, and he's like, at one point, he's like, "Well, can you help me out?" And so, Vincenzo's like, "Yeah, I can help you out." Like,
0: not even yeah, talking. All you gotta to do is apologize, and then we'll, we'll be fine. Yeah. yeah.
1: So then, Vincenzo hands the phone to Monique, and he's like, "Okay, Kolchek's really sorry. He wants to apologize." And so Kolchek finally puts the phone to his ear, and he's like, "Hello, hello," and then no one answers. So he hangs up, and then Monique picks up the phone and just gets a dial tone and so she slams the phone down she's like i'm gonna kill him like she's super mad which yeah. i mean to be fair he did shove her in a trunk for who knows how long which is not exactly teaching her the ropes of reporting
0: no but he also probably saved her life so. yeah i mean
1: i get that she was being <laughs> annoying but like yeah yeah i don't love how her character is written i could have done so much better with monique
0: yeah well, yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, we will. So yeah, so then we're at Chicago Police Headquarters, and we get Colcheck's voiceover. It's nine a.m. on August sixteenth. So sadly, we talked about last time, my birthday gets skipped. Uh, Aww. We talked. Well, we talked about this off air, but yeah, I'm a July baby. So you got your birthday in two Colcheck things. Yes. And I only got it in none. honestly. Aww. So yeah, but anyway, so we're at the official police briefing, and Captain Winwood is giving the briefing. And Kolchak tries to ask some questions about the snap spine of Willie Pike and the rumors that the Russos died the same way. Of course, his questions go unanswered. And then Kolchak asks again and is basically told like, to stop asking questions or he'll be banned from the briefings. So Kolchak drops the what about the body found with the Russos, a black man. And then like, (laughs) there's a lady reporter in front of him who's also black. And he's like, that's right, sister. Which is was hilarious and totally 70s, but it was like, oh, my God. Oh, so, yeah, <laughs> black man. That's right, sister. And, <laughs> and the reporters go nuts, right? They're like, what, a black man? Like, oh, my God. And so Winwood is like, well, unlike most of the things he says, I can confirm that what Kolchek is saying is true. And then he's like, and we're done. Bye. And he leaves. And, like, Kolchek, like, walks out and is totally, like, hurling questions at him. And, of course, they all go unanswered. And then all the reporters swarm Kolchek to, like, trading information. And he's like, ah, get your own story. And then like, <laughs> flats away and he runs away. So, yeah.
1: So then after a call to Gordy, Kolchek finds out that the body of the black man is being buried. So he heads to the cemetery. And he talks to the groundskeeper there who's all about union policies and burying bodies. And he mentions that, like, <laughs> the state is paying for this burial because – I, I guess there's, I don't know. It's not really clear, but yeah. Because he's like are, a
0: popper so it's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like a, yeah. So they, and they're burying him, we see they're burying him in like a wooden box too. It's not mm-hmm. like a coffin. And then Kolchak sees Captain Winwood arrive at the cemetery and he asks why there are only two mourners and why a gold button captain would be attending the funeral of a pauper who was buried last week and then found with the Russos and is now being buried again. Mm-hmm. and after a not-so-veiled threat involving Kolchek trying to type with casts on both of his arms, Winwood leaves, and Kolchak heads off, too. But it seems like maybe he has an idea of where to go next.
0: Yeah, and then we get a commercial. Yeah, because the groundskeeper's like, they can't be buried, because he, he knows that someone was buried in that same lot last time, which was the oh, person who was buried in there. right. So he's, yeah. like, talking
1: about how, like... You can't bury two people in the same plot unless they're family. Like, that's against the rules. And yeah, so he doesn't understand it's like stuff. the same person. Yeah. Cause he was buried. out
0: sick for the last week. And right. so he missed all the whatever. I mean, I, I don't know if there was any news that the body was even gone, but we'll get into that later yeah so then we come back from commercial and there's an overhead shot of chicago the same one we saw in the open like right after the opening scene but this time as we see the city we pan over like to the southwest and then we cut to kolchek who is having to pay for another one of gordy's pools to get information so he gives gordy some money and then he tells him the black guy was a Haitian. His name was Francois Edmonds. And he was coming up in the numbers racket, but then he ended up getting like 644 slugs like in his chest. Right. So he says it was a syndicate hit probably because maybe like they figured like Edmonds swallowed like some receipts. And he talked about how like, he's done that when he's almost got busts, like you swallow the paper instead of, you know, a shredder. Right. Yeah, And
1: it doesn't taste good.
0: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And that they wanted those receipts. So they dug him up and then opened him up. Right. And that's maybe the why he was there. And Kolchak's like, that makes no sense because he'd already been autopsied. So, like, if there was papers in him, they would have found him already. Right. So and Gordy's like, well, that's fine. But he has been hearing there's a lot of heat right now between the syndicate and the black number runners on the south side lately. And so there may be like a little like war between the two criminal empires going on in Chicago.
1: Right. So Kolchak decides to place a bet on the South side, but no one will basically go near him. And he does learn that as a friend of Francois Edmonds, which is who he claims to be, he needs to get a lucky number and gets this address where he can get one. So he goes into the shop and he's like, tells the shopkeeper what he needs. And the shopkeeper starts asking what he dreamt about and stuff. Cause that's apparently how he generates the lucky number. Mm-hmm. And, then kolchek notices some black chickens and cages he's like what are those for and the shopkeeper's like those are for dinner Mm -hmm. and then before he can generate the number these dudes enter the shop and there's two big guys and a smaller guy with a walking stick and kolchek is just like immediately like goes to the back he's acting like he's window shopping and not really there to buy anything and he kind of tries to slip to the front door but the big guys grab him and they bring him over to the other dude. And his name is Bernard Sweetstick Weldon. And it seems that Kolchak has written some not-so-flattering stories about Sweetstick in the past. And Kolchak tries to blame his brother, Marshall Kolchak. And Sweetstick says that he's heard that Kolchak has been trying to place bets all day. And he reminds Kolchak that Francois Edmonds is dead and his story is dead. And one of the guys destroys... Kolchak's audio tape.
0: Yeah, he just like smashes it in his hands.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Kolchak asks if Sweetstick knew Edmonds. So Sweetstick has his men kind of like rough him up and is basically like blow the wax out of his ears and tell him his story is dead or whatever. And then, you know, yeah. they throw him out of the shop.
0: Yeah, he's like, this man just can't hear because, like, he just keeps asking questions. So, yeah.
1: Right. Because he basically is like, your story's dead. And then, like, Kolchak keeps pushing because that's what Kolchak does. Yep. He keeps pushing.
0: Yeah. And the shopkeeper is Scatman Carruthers, who is kind of really wasted because they have him talking, like, in, like, pidgin English because he's supposed to be, like, you know, Haitian or Jamaican or something like that. So he does, actually doesn't get to use that cool Scatman Carruthers voice, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. Right. So... Coljack gets thrown out of the thing, like onto the sidewalk, next to some garbage cans. But then we get his voiceover and he says that the problems he's having were nothing like that of Alberg's. And we see like an alley and we see a shadow and we see like a body being lifted up by two arms. And then we hear this crunch, like bones popping kind of noise. And then boom. So Alberg got killed and his murder results in a rumored meeting between the syndicate and the numbers runners. So Kolchek heads to another one of his sources, the monk, to find the location. And after a donation, Kolchek learns the location and he heads over where he hides behind a car in the garage where the meeting is gonna be. And he sets up his recorder and puts it up on, on this car. Like it's like a paint shop maybe I think, cause like the car is all taped up. And so he is gonna record the meeting and like the monk is like totally just like some chunky dude with like a circle beard and a black hoodie like it's it's kind of funny i think he's supposed to be like a like a you know like a monk like a priest or something like that but it's kind of fun he's basically just wearing a hoodie yeah yeah
1: i think yeah i was thinking the monk was probably just some kind of like criminal syndicate name because he's obviously not like a real monk yeah so Sweet Stick arrives with three of his men, and the head of the syndicate, Mr. S, is there the with three sweet, of his
0: like purple car.
1: Yeah. Cool. Oh you no, know, that car is awesome. Yeah. I would have loved that in high school. Yeah. I would have driven that thing everywhere. Uh, and then Mr. S is there with three of his own, and one of them is Jerry, who is the guy we saw with the coin machine from the opening.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the coin machine guy like witnessed Willie being killed, and Mr. S's brother-in-law Al Berg was found the same way. So basically, the were probably killed by the same person mm-hmm. and sweet stick says one day coconuts are going to fall on mr s's head which is some kind of racial
0: yeah because reference. mr s is like he said jerry saw willie get killed by a coconut which he means like a black guy
1: yeah so, yeah. yeah so it's not a really nice thing to say no and mr s whose name we'll learn is Posado. Says if one more of his people gets hurt, there's going to be quote unquote coconut milk all over the place. And he wants reparations for Willie Pike, the Russos, and his brother in law, which is 25% of the number running profits for the entire year. And he doesn't want the junk, he just wants the money. And Sweetstick is like, yeah, good luck with that, and leaves. Which, by the way, a white dude asking for reparations is just really, really uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was that. Was, yeah, the choice of the word was a little like.
1: Ooh, I mean, yeah. all of this is uncomfortable, like the racial yeah. stuff, the coconut and, then, and that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and then really also like, we ugh. get
0: the feeling like you know the the white Italian mob, like they're not interested in drugs; they're just running numbers. But obviously, the black people are also like doing drugs. because he's like. He doesn't want the junk; he just wants right. the money from the numbers. So it's like, oh yeah, they're obviously. Worse because they're running like probably like heroin or something, right? So, yeah, yeah. so it's very, uh, yeah, not great, uh -uh. yeah. So the meeting's over, like you know, and everyone's leaving, yeah. Sweet Stick is leaving. And everyone else is getting ready to leave. And so Kolchek reaches up and he gets his tape recorder and he like starts to and he somehow what are you doing, Kolchek? He like manages to either hit like the rewind or the fast forward button. So it's all brruh, brruh, brruh. and so everyone hears it, right? So the <laughs> you know, sweet stick and his men have already left, but like the syndicate guys are like, oh, So like Posado like jumps in his limo and then the other guys go around. And then with what looks like a 44 Magnum to his head, Kolchek is brought to Passato's window of his limo right from the inside so we see like the scene from the inside and of course then Kolchek like mispronounces his name and then starts like just name dropping all these Italian people like you know like Monique's uncle and Vincenzo like trying to get him like hey I'm I'm down with the Italians I'm cool (laughs) but then Passato remembers him because apparently Kolchek crashed his daughter's wedding to get photos like as paparazzi And then Kolchak tries to blame that on his brother, Sidney Kolchak. So he's got lots of brothers who are not great (laughs) with the mob. But then Pizzotto tells his lead guy, Victor, that he should make an appointment And they get, like, this little thing going on where they'll talk in Italian for a little bit and then, you know, say in English for Kolchak to hear kind of thing. But he basically is, like, saying, like, you need to make an appointment for Mr. Kolchak at the Mercy General Hospital. They have an excellent gastrointestinal department. And so Victor gets ready to, like, make the appointment, right? He's getting ready to, you know, take care of Kolchak. Yeah. Yeah. And Kolchak's like, no, 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 no. I know who's been knocking off your guys. I know who's been knocking off your guys. So he rolls the window back down. And he tells him it's a Haitian number runner named Francois Edmonds and was like nice try Francois Edmonds is buried and they probably know this because they're probably the ones who killed him right but to avoid the hospital visit Kolchak's like no no I'm willing to bet my life and I do not say that like he realizes like he's using his word right like I'm not saying that lightly but I'm willing to bet my life that <laughs> Edmonds is not in his grave
1: right so then we cut to the cemetery and Kolchek is digging up Edmund's grave. And of course, Posado, Victor, Jerry, and all the other guys are just like hanging out on top with flashlights. They're not helping at all. No. And so Kolchek's digging. And then the groundskeeper is like wearing his pajamas and robe. And he walks up and he's like, are you guys scab workers? Because night work is against the bylaws of the union. <laughs> yeah. And then we cut to like Kolchek and the groundskeeper are both digging. So like shouldn't have asked the question, should have stayed inside because yeah. now also though mom- he
0: didn't fare too bad because I was like, Oh no, he's gonna be dead, but he
1: yeah, I kind of thought, Oh, they're digging they just put a grave, to work, they're gonna yeah, yeah.
0: they just put him to work, so
1: yeah. So they finally get to the coffin lid and they get it open, and of course, the grave is empty. <gasps> Although there are some corn kernels and a dead chicken inside.
0: Ooh, a dead black chicken, yeah, yeah. So Posado is, like, questioning Kolchak about his theory. So like, let me get this theory right. So you're saying that anyone that was associated with Edmund's death is going to die by having their spinal columns crushed. Kolchak's like, yep, yep. <laughs> so then Posado tries basically, like, to throw Victor under the bus by saying, like, Victor, you okayed this hit on Edmund, didn't you? And he's like well yeah but i asked you first and he's like no i don't remember that and earlier he'd talked about like he has like a steel trap like he remembers everything. everything's got a photographic memory that's why he remembered kolchek and they're like yeah he does so now he's like i don't remember that i don't remember that i didn't have anything to do with this and victor's like no no you did and they're going back and forth like you know trying to like hurl the blame on it because they're like i'm not gonna get killed you're gonna get killed no you're gonna get killed so they're arguing and kolchek is kind of like just down in the grave and he's kind of obviously he's actually entertaining he's kind of smiling and laughing that they're arguing back yeah and forth about this well and it's and then, funny
1: too because like they're arguing with each other but that it doesn't really matter like
0: what you guys think. well maybe you know whoever the killers will hear and so like you know if you, if you believe it it'll happen right you know
1: yeah i guess so so
0: yeah fake it till you make it so <laughs> then they all hear someone approaching and victor's like hey hey it's it's that guy it's that guy and so, like, all the mob guys, like, turn around, and they just start unloading their guns. Boom, 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 boom on the guy walking up, right? And the gravekeeper scrambles out of the grave. He takes off. Boom, out of here, right? He's pretty, spry for an old guy. So he runs off. And then the person that we assume is Francois Edmonds, he, like, tosses a couple of the mob guys around, and the others just keep, like, shooting at him. But, of course, again, Colcheck guns don't work on the bad guys. So Victor tries to run away, but he like trips over all the dirt from the grave. And then like he's grabbed and we see him lifted up overhead and then we hear crunch. And then he's thrown to the ground and he lands on his back and his head is like hanging over the edge of the grave, like right in front of Kolchak. And it's like, Ooh! and then the killer just walks away. He's like, I'm done. And posato is just like, Ugh! just totally freaked out. So maybe Spolato didn't have anything to do with it. Because I would think like if he did, then you would could have got a two for one there and killed Episode too if they just leaving but
1: yeah it would definitely be easier yeah so then the police arrive and they shine their flashlights onto victor's dead body and it's like hanging over the side of the grave and then kolchek is just like sitting in the grave inside the open coffin and like they pointed their flashlights on him and he's just sighs he's like <sighs> and then he pulls his hat down over his face and he's just like sitting there <laughs> which it's funny because like you mentioned this too but like the grave digger guy like the groundskeeper dude who's like old
0: mm-hmm. and like in
1: his pajamas had no problem climbing out of the grave like we saw no, him he was out of it. that
0: grave he was like boom gone he was but yeah
1: Kolchak apparently can't get out or maybe he just wants to wait with the body because he wants to wait for the cops to see like what yeah. happened it did seem know. like he was
0: just stuck though like he was like oh I can't get out it's too tall it's too deep of a grave yeah because he's just like chilling in the coffin just sitting there <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah it's a little weird
0: Yeah. And then we have commercial. So then speaking of pajamas, we see a door and we hear a knock and we hear a come in and we see the door open and we see slippers and we pan up and we see like pajama pants. And it's Vincenzo. He's in his pajamas and his slippers and an overcoat. And he's in Captain Winwood's office, and Kolchek is there. And he's like, "What did he do? What did he do?" And so he's like, "Grave desecration, body theft, which also like apparently includes several health violations. Oh, and there's homicide because there was a body sitting right next to Kolchek. So they talk for a little bit, and then he gives Kolchek his permission to tell a story because Vincenzo's like, "What?" He's like, "I can't say anything, <laughs> or I'm gonna get in, they're gonna put me away for life." And so gives him permission to tell. So. Kolchak gives his story, Wynwood disagrees with the story, and he says he's been suspecting that the body had actually been taken by some cult, but he hasn't wanted to say anything, because the people that they're dealing with are Haitians, they're from another country, and we kind of get the vibe that he's not saying that because he's like being culturally sensitive, he's saying that because, like, he's a racist and, you know, they need to not be here, Yeah. anyway, so Kolchak does kind of agree, which is kind of uncomfortable at this point, because he's like, you know, they're from, another, they're from another country. And so Kolchak is like, yeah, Francois Edmonds is from hell itself. So maybe not agreeing with the racism, but just kind of getting the you know, whatever. So hopefully not agreeing with the racism. Please, Kolchak, don't be a racist. Anyway, so if true, Winwood asks, like, how this stiff is walking around. And so we find out that Kolchak has been doing some research. And he says it's voodoo and that Francois Edmonds has been turned into a zombie so enough 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 like this is you know and so carl is let out by vincenzo and they leave right no one believes carl
1: yeah that's pretty much par for the course for kolchuk <laughs> anytime anything weird is going on no one believes him mm-hmm. so then it's august 20th at 2 a.m and apparently kolchuk has searched like the immigration records and he found no relatives for francois Edmonds, but the monk apparently has his own listings and so the next day, Kolchek pulls up to a pale yellow house, which is actually the same color as his Mustang. Yeah. And as he approaches the door, a voice from inside is just like, come in, Mr. Kolchek." And so it turns out this is Francois's grandmother. Mm-hmm. And she's watching TV and she offers Kolchek some rum and she's like, light or dark? And he he gets light. She takes dark. They, you know, drink some rum. She toasts to a photo of her grandson and then she says her grandson is dead. And Kolchak's like, well, he's not in his grave. And she tells Kolchak that she couldn't attend her grandson's funeral because immigration would have caught her. So she actually paid some people to dig up the body so she could burn it because that's what the custom is in her family. Mm-hmm. And Kolchak's like, where? Where did you burn it? And she's like, that's personal. Like, hey. That's
0: personal, Sunny. It's, it's personal. It funny a lot.
1: Yes, she does. <laughs> And then Coltec's like, well, that's interesting because I saw your grandson last night. And he didn't look burned, but he did look like a zombie. And she's like, you go to the movies too much. (laughs) And then he asked her why people call her Mama Lois. And he's heard of Papa Lois, who's a voodoo practitioner. And she says they call her Mama Lois because she makes little medicines. And so she makes him one and he doesn't want to take it but she laughs and she reminds him well you already drank my rum so he does actually yep. drink it
0: <laughs> already drink the rum sonny <laughs>
1: yeah so if i he's wanted like, to poison oh. you <laughs> yeah. uh it's already been done buddy
0: yeah and she says it's, it's mama lao i think is how it is uh, it doesn't sound like she says the l almost sounds like she says like mama wa, but like yeah it's, it's a like Fr- french it's french, french i think stuff. but i didn't quite yeah. get yeah, yeah but kolchek says mama lois because he's doesn't speak french right and so that's how it that's how it looks so that's what we're gonna say too because i don't speak french either so
1: i used to and i'm not i don't know how to pronounce that though so okay
0: anyway so he leaves and he's just kind of standing by the car and he's like waiting we get some narration too like he's basically waiting for the poison to kick in figures like he's gonna get like super sick and like have to go to the hospital or possibly die but then he realizes like he just got played he was made a fool of. He wasn't poisoned. She was just messing with him. Yeah. So then he kind of looks over and he sees a dead black chicken just sticking out of the garbage can, which I'm like, (laughs) that's a chicken in the garbage can. Why are you throwing away (laughs) a chicken? Like, anyway. (sighs) But so then at the back of the house, we see that Mama Lois is got like a small wooden box with her, like a rectangular box. And then she goes and pulls up. she got a bunch of black chickens in a pen and she pulls one out and she goes into this shed. And inside the shed is like this kind of like voodoo shrine, right, with all kinds of like Voodoo props, right? You know, TV kind of action, like crosses and skulls and candles.
1: Right, like TV voodoo, yeah.
0: Yeah, and there are several small boxes lined up on this table with names painted on them in red. We've got one says Pike, and one says James Russo, and one says Peter Russo, and one says Albert Berg, and one says Victor Freche, which is what his last name was, and then one just says Posado, and then one says Winwood, and then she puts the blank box next to the Winwood one on the end. And we see that Kolchek is like peeking through the slats in the roof and like his tie is sticking out. So he like pulls it up and he's like looking through the slats in the roof. And then Mama Lois goes through like this whole like voodoo ritual. And she's like, Kolchek, 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 and all kind of stuff. And then Kolchek's like taking pictures the entire time and somehow doesn't get caught. But then she kills the chicken and then she writes the name Kolchek on the box in the chicken blood. And he's like, huh? it's <laughs> his, his name on the box right Uh-oh. so i do kind of not understand how like she knew when he was about to ring the doorbell but like doesn't know that he's like on her roof watching like through the planks but
1: yeah unless she does know i don't know it's I mean, doesn't care yeah possibly yeah i don't know
0: that could be a flex i guess but yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> so kolchak walks into the ins office reading a book and winwood is in vincenzo's office and they come out and winwood's upset and he's been hearing about Kolchek's zombie story and is basically like, that's not responsible journalism. And, yeah. you know, Vincenzo agrees. Obviously. Yeah.
0: Well, they kind of all say it together. Like, he's like, that's not. And they're like, responsible journalism. Like, Kolchek says it, too, because he's, like, heard that from Vincenzo oh, yeah. like a gazillion times, right? Not responsible journalism.
1: So then Winwood starts threatening to get the fire inspectors into the office because, obviously, there are lots of health and safety violations and fire hazards. And then a train goes by and it shakes the whole office, and Kolchak shows Winwood his voodoo book, and he's basically like, this is how you kill a zombie, and your men need to look in places of the dead, graveyards, cemeteries, and you need matches, candles, salt, needle, and thread, and then basically when you find the zombie, you have to put, like, salt in his mouth, and then, mm-hmm. like, sew up his mouth, and then he tells Winwood this is really important for him because the zombie is killing people connected to his murder and his name is on one of the boxes. And he asks how long Winwood has been dirty and how long he's been on Posado's payroll. And Vincenzo tries to make excuses for Kolchak's behavior. And Winwood notices in the photo that Kolchak shows him with his name on the box that Kolchak's name is on the box next to it. And he's like, why are you on here? And Kolchak's like, well, I ask a lot of questions and people don't like that. Not cops, not politicians, not voodoo practitioners. And Winwood says, the story's dead or I'm going to get the fire inspectors in here. And so Mm -hmm. Kolchak follows him out and he lets him know that the zombie lip sewing thing only works if the zombie's dormant. So if the zombie's awake, there's a different way to kill him.
0: Yeah, he basically follows Winwood out and like heckles him the entire way out of the building is what he's doing. Yeah. And at one point... Winwood is like got a bunch of papers and it's like, so this is all the evidence you have on the zombie. And I, now I don't remember. I think he slams it down, but I'm also now wondering because of what happens later if he walks off with all the evidence? I'm not sure.
1: Oh yeah. What? I don't know. I don't remember.
0: Yeah. But so then Kolchak is like heading out the door. He's got places to go. He knows where Posado is going to be next. And that means he knows where the zombie is going to be. And so he's going to follow the zombie so that he can get him. Right. So he grabs his little kit. He's got all this stuff in a brown paper bag, candles, matches, salt, needle and thread. And but Monique's like, I'm going to. And she's like chasing after him. And he's like, no, no. And like tries to ward off <laughs> almost like she's a vampire or something like, no, stay back, stay back. And like runs down the stairs. But then she follows him.
1: Right. And exactly. we get
0: Commercial. So it's nighttime, we come back from commercial, and it's nighttime, and Kolchek is driving, and we cut to Posado. He's like begging for his life, his face is all red, and then we hear a crunch, and we see like the same kind of like, you know, silhouette kind of thing where he's up in the air, he's thrown into a bunch of trash cans. Kolchak pulls up to the alley and we see that Monique is also in the car. So before we just saw Kolchak driving, we didn't see like who was in the passenger seat. So we thought maybe he was alone. Maybe he ditched Monique, but he didn't. So she's there. He runs out with his camera and starts photographing the scene. And apparently Edmonds is gone, but like Posado's body is not right. The mob hedgemen are like all rolling on the ground. Like, Oh, you know, they all got knocked around. And then of course, Mr. S is like dead among the trash. And then so, He's done taking photos and he's going back to the car. Monique comes around the corner and she's like trying to like open up a tripod or something. And she looks and she's just like, uh, like she's like frozen by the sight of what she sees. So Carl grabs her and he calls a cab and he puts her in it. And she's basically like catatonic. And he tells the driver to take her to Brooklyn, New York. So (laughs) Monique is out. And Monique is incredibly annoying. And again, we'll talk about this, like the handling of it.
1: Yeah. Also, that's gonna be one heck of an expensive cab ride <laughs> yeah. from Chicago well, kind of to like New York.
0: When Mulder ditched Krychek in what was it, sleepless? And he uh-huh. like to ditch him, he like took a cab from DC to Connecticut to go like get the evidence bef- without telling Krychek. So like apparently that's a thing. You just take yeah. cabs across. I mean, Chicago and New York are a little further apart, I'll grant you.
1: Yes, but, they're pretty yeah. far apart.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I definitely have thoughts on Monique and how she could have been awesome. But yeah, the show did not go there. So, anyway, nope, it
0: did not. And I don't know that <laughs> it's going to. She does, I think she's only in two more episodes. So she's only like in three altogether. So, but yeah.
1: So, Kolchuk looks around and his plan was to track the zombie. But obviously, the zombies already killed Mr. S. So, like, obviously, that plans out the window. And it's really dark and it's hard to see. But Kolchek sees a bus pull up. And then I guess the zombie gets on the bus, which it's kind of dark. So it was hard to see what was going yeah, on. Yeah, that is a
0: dark. I had like the brightness turned up. all. Oh, the way and me I still too. See anything. I
1: was like, what so, is happening? But then you see him yeah. like run and he gets on the bus and he like jumps on the back. Yeah, because <laughs> he's, he's, like,
0: go- yeah, he's going for the bus and then realizes he doesn't have his stuff with him. So he runs back to the car to grab his paper bag. But then the bus is leaving. So he like jumps on the bumper and like hangs on while the bus drives away.
1: Yeah. And so <laughs> he basically just rides the bus. And, like, you can see him, like, looking in the window to, like, everyone mm-hmm. in the bus while he's, like, standing on the bumper.
0: Yeah, the driver is apparently totally unaware of what's going on on his bus.
1: Yeah. Which I can't imagine if you jumped on a bus, like, having ridden the bus. Like, a driver would not only know that, they would stop and they would chew you out. Like. <laughs> yeah.
0: Most modern buses don't have bumpers like that anymore. either. That's it's true. Actually, yeah, they would don't. would be a place to stand. <laughs> so. True.
1: So the bus stops and Kolch looks and he doesn't see the zombie in the seat he was in. So he jumps off. And the bus drives away. And of course, like zombies not there. Mm-hmm. So Kolchik's like in the middle of nowhere and he looks around and then he sees a sign on the fence that says more auto graveyard, which is a graveyard of <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of. So Kolchik tries to get through the gate, but it's locked. But then he realizes that there's a section of the chain link that is pulled over to look like it's attached, but it's not actually like fastened to anything. So he manages to like pull it back and enter. And there's a bunch of like car husks everywhere and old vehicles and Kolchak stumbles over some stuff. And he does make a lot of noise, but nothing comes running at him. No lights come on, no junkyard dogs. So it seems like he's probably okay. No
0: zombies.
1: No zombies. Yeah. Yeah. So after he climbs on like a huge pile of cars for a better view, Kolchak is about to give up. When he notices there's a hearse among the wrecked vehicles. And that seems uh, suspicious. Oh,
0: it does. Yeah.
1: Because hearse's never get retired or thrown away ever. So no, they get weird.
0: turned into ghost busting machines. That's true. So, yeah. Oh, the Ecto-1 is such a sweet good. car. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. So, Colt takes at the hearse. And he looks in. And inside is this extremely rotting corpse of... Francois Edmonds. It's yeah. disgusting. Yes, yep. it's gross. And so <laughs> you take some photos because it's check, right? So click, 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 take some photos. <laughs>
1: priorities.
0: Yeah, priorities. And then he climbs into the back of the hearse and like slides up very carefully, but definitely like gross and not happy about it over to the side of the body with the corpse. And he starts getting out his equipment and he, act- he starts panicking because he's feeling around in the bag and I think he like can't find the salt. So he's like, Oh, my God, what am I doing here? But he finds it. And so he lights the candles and he pours all the salt into the mouth. So it's like kosher salt or rock salt. It's like, you know, the thicker salt. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't specify. Later, he does mention rock salt. This looked more like kosher salt, but who knows? So he pours it all into the mouth and it's like all full and kind of like dribbling down. And But then intercut with this scene, we see Mama Lois. She's in her shed and she's doing like more voodoo ritual stuff, right? So, uh oh, this might not be good. And then Kolchek has got his needle out and his thread and he's getting ready to, he's got his fingers like on the mouth so he can like, you know, like push the push the lips closed and so he can sew it. And then as he's getting ready to do that, the zombie's eye just pop open and they roll over to the side and then looking right at Kolchek. Yep. So, yeah, I do wonder like. We talked about the bus driver not paying attention because culture of the back. Also, like a rotting corpse got on your bus and got off your bus. And like no one on the bus paid attention to like this disgustingly rotting corpse just riding the bus like a normal dude.
1: Yeah. It is a little weird that no one was like, <laughs> I don't know, concerned. Cause he's not just like dirty and like whatever. He's no. like decaying. Like he's in yeah, bad he's in top, shape. Like
0: all his skin is like patchy and gross and like falling off i think they got the makeup to where like it looks like his nose is missing right and then we'll see he's wearing like a bodysuit underneath so like his skin is all blotchy and you can see like the autopsy scars like on his chest and everything because he's wearing like a vest basically like a like a denim vest that's all he's wearing well and pants obviously but yeah so yeah the fact that no one noticed that you'd get on the bus is kind of like it's <laughs> really like into your newspapers and stuff holy moly so
1: yeah, so then Kolchak runs, because obviously zombies awake. Not good. As one
0: would, right? Yes.
1: Yeah, uh, and the zombie follows. And so Kolchuk, like climbs up the stack of cars, and the zombie grabs his ankle, and Kolchak trips. And then above him, he sees a cable of an overhead wench that is kind of looped around. Mm-hmm. And so he, the zombie's like coming at him, so he holds it. As the zombie runs at him and he slides it over the zombie's neck and then jumps down. And the zombie swings around, hanging from its neck. And Kolchak tries to get his camera out, drops it, and then he like falls down from the stack of cars. Yep. And we hear Mama Lois groan with like agony and despair. And Kolchak lights the three candles because what we learned in the other scene when he was telling him how to kill him, if he wasn't dormant is that you have to have the candles lit and then you have to strangle the zombie. Mm-hmm. So he lights the three candles on a hubcap and he places them beneath the dangling zombie. And the zombie finally goes limp. And then the candles sniff out and Kolchak picks up his camera and discovers that it's in pieces. So he didn't get any, all the photos he got that were evidence are gone now. And all he has yep. is a dead corpse hanging from a thing.
0: Yep. And commercial. And I have to say, I did not make that connection because yeah I didn't even put that in my notes because he's talking about like you gotta make sure you do it when he's dormant if not and I thought he was just messing around like light your candles and then hope you can strangle it while it tries to kill you I figured that was just like you're gonna die no chance but that's actually what that's what he does so that actually was like a real thing I thought he was just messing with Winwood.
1: no that's that's apparently how you do it
0: awesome job making the connection there I did not make that connection good on you Thanks. Good job Tori
1: thanks maybe sometimes you should start I'm, writing these notes
0: instead of me. I don't have
1: time <laughs> I have to write the x-files ones
0: I know they take a long time oh <laughs>
1: they do God, take they a take, long time I mean it's fun and I love it but it does it takes until, it's an effort
0: yeah people just so you know we have like 14 pages of notes for every episode we do so yeah, it's... yeah. anyway it sounds like we're unprofessional we're slightly professional so <laughs> sometimes yeah, so a filthy and weary Kolchek is like walking up the stairs to INF. He's all dirty. He's worn. Like his ca- he tells us like his camera's and pieces, and Captain Winwood's story of innocence, because we assume that he's you know in with the murder of Edmonds and like on the take kind of thing, is intact. So Winwood's gonna get off scot free. Not gonna never gonna stand trial for murder, and this is because all of Kolchek's evidence is gone. Which makes me, that's why I wasn't sure. And I didn't have time to go back to check whether Winwood had walked off with all the evidence or not. Because he did have the photos before with like Winwood's name on the boxes. Like those photos already existed. They weren't in the camera. So, but I'm not sure. But that does not mean that Kolchek's story was false. And as he's coming to office, we see that Vincenzo is on the phone with Monique's uncle. And he's like, Kolchek, where's Monique? And he's like, she's in a cab on her way to Brooklyn. And so <laughs> Vincenzo's just like, she's not a cab. On the way to Brooklyn. And then he realizes what he's just said, because he doesn't even, not even, right? And he's like, oh, and he starts to lose it. But then, like, we find out her uncle is apparently delighted that she's not in Chicago anymore. And so, Vincenzo's like, why, why, why? We hear him, like, shouting at, into the phone, trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Kolchak chuckles and walks over to his desk, and is trying to figure out what is going on with Monique and her uncle. So, and then we get Kolchak's voiceover. So, item. Mama Louis Edmonds was deported only one day after the events at the junkyard. Item, Captain Leo Winwood was relieved of duty for, quote, reasons of health, unquote. And also, Francois Edmonds was buried a third time at public expense, right? Because no one, no relatives, whatever. So only this time, rock salt was poured into his mouth and his lips were sewn shut. City officials will deny this, but you can see it for yourself if you head out to St. Lucie Cemetery and exhume the corpse. If you've got the nerve, mm-hmm. he says. And then he loads his typewriter and starts typing away as these fade to black. And then we go into the standard ed credit scene, which is yeah. basically Kolchak typing and then leaving the office. And we get like the you know the guest stars and all that kind of stuff. So I wonder if Captain Warren from The Ripper retired. Because it would be kind of funny if, like, every episode there's like a different police captain, and like they all basically like just give up and quit because like they can't handle working with Kolchak, and like I'm done, I'm just done with this. And like every episode there's a, it's a possibility because every police chief we've had so far it's only been two episodes but they're always like a headlining guest star like in the opening credits kind of thing or in the opening scene mm-hmm. so i'm wondering if maybe that's going to be a thing where like every episode is going to be a different police captain
1: it's kind of like the defense against the dark arts teacher and harry potter it's just like different every year because they no won't get all the job
0: yeah i don't get that reference because all my harry potter references come from my wife's lego collection but okay. she would get that reference so. she does have
1: yeah. some sweet legos i've seen photos yeah Of course, JKR is an awful turf, and she sucks. But anyway, Harry Potter still still has some fond memories there.
0: Yeah.
1: And Monique is played by Carl and Susie, who I think she passed away in 2004. Oh god, I should have written it down. I looked at it; wasn't maybe 2014. She did Uh, pass
0: away because they did a special episode about her, which you're going to talk about here in a minute. So.
1: Yeah, but she's most famous for playing the voice of Howard's mom, Deborah Horowitz, on The Big Bang Theory. So if you recognize her voice or whatever, that is her. She was never really—I don't think they ever picked. I never—I only watched like the first season of that show, but I don't think she ever shows up. I think it's just a voice that she does.
0: From what I saw, it sounds like she's a voice only as a mother. Yeah,
1: I think that's it. Yeah, she's she's always off screen and she's always yelling like Howard,
0: you know. And then when she when she when the actress died in real life they did a special episode saying like that the mother had died Oh, because she she was never on screen. So they had a special like episode about like, you know, dealing with the fact that she had died kind of thing.
1: Yeah. That's sweet. That show has its issues. I did think the first season was kind of funny, but there were. I've never seen it. I
0: remember when it first came out, this was back when like the iTunes store was a thing Mm -hmm. and they gave away, they would give away like free episodes and free music and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So they, they gave the first episode away for free. And I never watched it, but I just because I saw like it was like it was like two dudes and a blonde girl. Right. And I was just like, this sounds like a porn, like Big Bang Theory. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Oh. This is awful. You know, I, I realize it's like the science thing, but like you got two dudes and a blonde and it's going to be a funny sitcom. I'm like, oh, my God, what is this show about? But yeah, I watched it,
1: was, it on Netflix. It was disc. Really When Netflix would send you discs in the mail, which is how Netflix used to work. And I mostly watched it because the theme song is by the Bare Naked Ladies. And I love the Bare Naked Ladies. And so it was like, oh, I should watch it. And like the first season was funny. I I think that, uh, I mean, there are a million people who have written essays about why the Big Bang Theory sucks. And the problem is that the joke is usually on. Like they use nerdy stuff and they just shoot them out as references without any context, like just saying World of Warcraft and the audience laughs. And it's like that's not really funny. And so it's it's not really like about nerd culture like it pretends to be. It's more like poking fun at nerd culture. And there are other problems with it too. There are all sorts of problems with the show. But anyway, I won't get into that. I just did I haven't seen like the newer season, so I don't know. Am I about. incorrect
0: in saying though it did also and I think possibly in a positive way, I could be wrong on that, but it didn't it also bring, like, Spectrum, like, more into, like, the public conversation of, like, you know, like, the characters, like, Sheldon, that kind of stuff. It
1: like, might have, that and kind of thing. I mean, I don't really, because apparently, I didn't really stick around, so I don't okay. know. I'm sure that might be a thing.
0: It went on, like, for nine or ten or eleven seasons. It too. was
1: very, very popular.
0: And there's a spinoff, too, apparently, that I did not even know about called, like, Young Sheldon.
1: Yeah, which I also have never seen. I have heard of it, and I was like, no, thank you. I don't want that.
0: Yeah, because apparently they use some pre-recorded stuff from other episodes in that, in one of the episodes of Young Sheldon, because it's his mother, right, I think, or one of his... Oh,
1: because the mother's still in that. Oh, I guess she would be, because... She would have
0: been alive in that, right? So I think they used some pre-recorded stuff in in one of those. Okay. So she she technically has credits for Young Sheldon also.
1: Okay, even though she had already passed away. Yeah. It is kind of crazy what they can do with, like... Crazy, and by crazy, I mean terrifying. Like, what they can do with technology to like emulate someone who's not, well, I think no it was actually there. stuff that
0: they had recorded. And uh, I, don't know yeah. if was, I don't know if it was stuff they had recorded and didn't use, or they just like remixed some stuff. Well, yeah, so or if or if it's they can just... like
1: franken bite that stuff together and make it pretty convincing. It's pretty,
0: yeah, I pretty mean, wild. I kind of do that. Okay, yes, that's right. true. So sometimes
1: I <laughs> sometimes I do not sound like I know anything and I like even English. And Nick somehow makes it sound like I do. So yay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I did kind of want to talk about Monique, because like last episode, I mentioned that it would be great if Kolchak had like a sidekick.
0: Right. Because in the Night Stalker, he's got Gail. Mm-hmm. And then in The Night Strangler, he's got Louise.
1: Right. right? And so it would just be good to have like someone. Jane-
0: from- last episode, who was kind of that way, but not really. And yeah. then she dies. She gets killed.
1: Yeah. The women so. on this show were not treated very well so far.
0: <laughs> well, in the show. Yes. Right, the, the movies are a whole different thing. Again, different writers, different yeah. actors. No, just the different. show. Yeah.
1: But I was thinking, like, it would have been cool if Monique had been more of, like, a Jimmy Olsen kind of character, who could still be kind of annoying, but maybe was, like, useful and, like, bouncing stuff off. I don't know. It would have been nicer if they'd gone that direction instead of just the whole wow this woman is annoying and she's only here because of her uncle and even if she was there because of her uncle like it could have just worked better like i don't know it's too bad because I, I think that might have helped
0: too if i mean we could say like she is like the short annoying fat woman is what she kind of is like young woman right and so i right. wonder if her weight is also playing into the fact that she's super annoying i don't know but i th- i think that is kind of like you know weight is weight is like the hidden maybe not always hidden but like you know overweight people are usually not competent and what have you
1: yeah that's not hidden that's a really common trope
0: (laughs) well i say hidden (laughs) the fact that a lot of people don't mention it like it tends to go unmentioned it's kind of like the unmentioned like you know Mm -hmm. sometimes i mean
1: yeah but the trope of the incompetent fat person who's incapable of yeah yeah i don't know anyway i just there was a lot of potential there i thought for kolchuk to have somebody he was working with like even if he wasn't working with her and even if he like didn't like her It would have been nice to have someone like he could bounce stuff off of. But anyway. He works
0: alone. Okay. He works alone.
1: And that's fine. But you can work alone and still have people that you're bouncing things. Because I think that works as a narrative device. Like I know you don't like it in the (laughs) X-Files
0: because it happens
1: a lot. But like.
0: That's not what I don't like in the (laughs) X-Files.
1: It's the way that the the
0: person that things are being bounced off of is written.
1: That's what I mean, yeah. It creates situations where one person has to, like, not know things because otherwise it doesn't work narratively. And it, unfortunately, then makes them seem stupid. They have to carry the idiot ball. And
0: in in the X-Files, they they run, again, they play it both ways where, like, the person doesn't know things, but then supposedly knows all these other things. Right. "Mm." Anyway.
1: Yeah. But Anyway, I thought that would have been good, so I was kind of disappointed because when Monique first showed up, I'm like, okay, like she's going to be irritating, but she's going to be someone that can like argue with Kolchak about whether or not it's a zombie or whatever and bounce things off of, and then that's not what happened. So I was just I mean, disappointed that's, that's, in how they did that's
0: it. Also, I mean, not to be like, you know, like I mean, you want representation, right? But I mean, that's what Vincenzo's for, like that's true. The whole thing of like, I mean, like if if they had, like, because we talked about like Darren McGavin. And Simon Oakland are the only two people who have anything to do with the two movies who are in the show, right? And like, if they had got someone else or he had a different boss, I think it would lose so much. I mean, Darren McGavin is awesome, but like that dynamic of, you know, Vincenzo and Kolchak is just like amazing.
1: Yeah, no, it's a good dynamic.
0: And then he's got Uptight to like threaten all the time too. Yeah, that's true. Which who doesn't uh, Uptight? I think he's in the background when we first well maybe not maybe he's not in this episode at all he doesn't have any lines in this episode i think i think he might be in the background at some point um i could be wrong i might be thinking of. i've already watched the third episode i think i'm thinking of that one okay yeah i don't remember does, seeing monique it, but... is in the third episode too but okay like she shows up in so huh so she apparently either got back from brooklyn or the cab driver was like yeah i'm going to brooklyn and <laughs> like let her off somewhere so yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah yeah i i yeah it's not written fantastically so
1: yeah I, was I just will ag- I will agree yeah well mostly I just wish you know there was some potential there for some coolness and it didn't happen so that's always a bummer but you know hey I didn't write the show so <laughs>
0: yeah I could be wrong it sounds like from what I was looking at because like she was super irritated and I'm like oh my god please let this be like a one-off and then I found out that she's only like in she's like in two more episodes I think she's either in three episodes total or she's in three more I actually forget now from when I was looking but when I was reading it, it sounds almost like they like they just realized like, her character wasn't working until so they right. like, dropped it and then brought other characters in.
1: So, yeah, which I could see that for sure. Yeah.
0: So we have talked about, and I realize this is kind of cool because we talked about how like we didn't start doing ratings on The X-Files, the main series, until episode four, mm-hmm. right, with Conduit. And this is technically episode four of our cold check episodes we right. did the two movies and this is the second episode of the tv show so we're staying on track so all right good job <laughs>
1: we're learning from our past mistakes oh wait no we're not we're just repeating
0: no them. we're not actually no <laughs> so if we do something else we need to wait till the fourth episode because then that we just it's, that's 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 tradition now we have to wait till the fourth episode <laughs> kind of like how like for the longest time every job i had i always missed the third day of work oh weird for some reason i would get a new job and on the third day i would call in sick and i don't know um, I think all of it was just anxiety, but I would always be sick the third day. It was just like a thing. Every job, third day, gone. But, um, which is not great when you got a new job, but it usually tends no. to work out. Anyway, <laughs> we, before we go into the zombie ratings, I think we probably need to go back and do The Night Stalker and The Night Strangler, and then last episode, The Ripper. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, we will stick with Trend, and you're going to go first.
1: Okay. Well, first I was going to ask, like, so... <laughs> Because I have to overthink it because that's what I do.
0: Okay.
1: So, in terms of rating scale, like is this mm-hmm. one to 10 for Colchak? Like is it the Colchak scale or is it the same scale as the X Files? Because if we're pitting them against each other, that's not going to be very nice to Colchak. But oh, I didn't I know. Would say,
0: I would say the opposite, but um, I think it's just it's for what this is.
1: Okay. So, it's just its own scale. So, if I say something's yes. an eight in Colchak, yeah. It's not necessarily that I think it's an eight in X Files,
0: and also and taking versa. into the fact that like they are twenty years apart. Yes. Like realizing, like we, I don't think we can rate this at like twenty twenty. Like if you were watching television, you know, like mm-hmm. comparing this to like you know the Falcon and the Winter Soldier or oh, WandaVision is so good. Or something. right? Oh it's God. like you gotta you gotta take it for what it is and like yes. when it existed. And so, and I try to do that with X Files. I've talked about how like maybe I need to go back and watch some nineties television because I'm like oh so often with like the writing but eh, whatever so yeah yeah, if you can if you can't it's fine but yeah we'll treat this as a separate entry. okay because i'm going to treat it as own scale then its own scale yeah
1: so in that case i am going to give the night stalker a 10
0: because i thought the night
1: stalker was really solid like it's a great movie it's obviously got we talked all about it had some issues but it's really good i think the night strangler is probably an eight okay i liked it a little bit although it did have bill spidell hmm. okay. and seattle underground the fact
0: that i mean his scene is almost non-existent in there
1: no but he's there and it's so cool <laughs> it's so cool and then as seattle it mangle seattle history it has some seattle history okay. yeah i'm gonna go with an eight okay. and then the ripper i think trying to think the Ripper is probably a solid seven
0: okay Yeah,
1: because The Ripper is pretty good. I think it's a good pilot for the series. I think it definitely tells you what the series is going to be. Uh, I do like the idea of Jack the Ripper just randomly killing five people every so often because, uh, sure, why not? It's as true as anything else we know about Jack the Ripper at this point. Let's go with it.
0: I was thinking it's really interesting that maybe not so much nowadays but like back in like the 60s and the 70s and that kind of thing when you had like an immortal who was like a, a murderer or something like that, or just an immortal at all they always like kept dressing exactly how they did like when they were <laughs> like like jack ripper's like wearing like 1880s clothes right like in modern like chicago and it's like they always seem to do that and I think that was hilarious like you wouldn't like be like oh yeah I don't want to be conspicuous with my my hat and my cape and my walking stick and my tuxedo walking through the streets of Chicago yeah no that would be totally not obvious so
1: that was the thing that comes up in vampire media too is like vampires who dress the way they dress so like if they were like 70s punks like they still dress that way Mm -hmm. or like I don't know I just think that's really funny because you do get kind of into those habits of like
0: well I was kind of thinking like forever night they kind of like he dresses like a normal person because he's trying to blend in kind of
1: yeah oh yeah he's trying to be a cop
0: yeah but for the most part yeah they tend to dress like yeah whenever whenever you turned or became immortal that's how you just keep dressed in like forever yep
1: so you got the renaissance immortals you got the Mm -hmm. 1980s like burnout immortals and Mm
0: -hmm. we're gonna have
1: the 90s emo immortals from like the early 2000s (laughs) yeah
0: dude what's with the powdered wig and the leggings i don't get this why 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 do you dress like that anyway
1: yeah yeah Yeah, so that is really funny. And this episode, I didn't love as much. There's a lot of really uncomfortable just like (laughs) race stuff where I was like, Mm -hmm. "Mm -hmm." yeah, "Mm -hmm." they do. I mean, one,
0: one, it's Chicago, which has a huge racial thing. I mean, to this day, right? Like, they built, like, a 12-lane highway to basically divide Chicago's, like, black population from its white population. Right. Like, after this, that kind of thing. So, they, hand, they handled it relatively well, I think. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. Oh, yeah. It wasn't super gross. Like, the coconut. Like, that was kind of, like, because you knew what it was representing, and so, like, that was gross. But I think they handled it reasonably well.
1: Yeah. Oh, I mean, it wasn't like, I mean, and obviously I am not a black person, but I, you know, right. was not like so offended that I was like, I'm not, it wasn't like, I have to turn this off and I'm never watching it again. Yeah. It definitely was not something that I personally was like, oh, oh maybe you shouldn't say, oh, okay, maybe we yeah. shouldn't do voodoo like that. Okay. Mm.
0: Well, that's kind of a general, mm. right? I mean, we, we deal with that. Yeah. With the and I all do the time. like
1: that in terms of like zombie, it wasn't like. I don't know. It, it was more of what I understand an actual zombie to be. It was closer to that then. Mm-hmm. but obviously I don't know a lot about that, so I'm not an expert. But yeah, I'm sure it was all kinds of messy. Um, but also, just in terms of the episode pacing and stuff, I felt like it wasn't as it wasn't as solid. Yeah, I think I'm gonna give this one like a four. Okay. Because yeah, it wasn't all my right. favorite, but I do think it's gonna get better. I feel like. They had a good setup, and I feel like this might just have been like a stumbling block. Well, like zombies are hard anyway, and it was just kind of a lot to put in one episode.
0: Well, I mean, we do know what ends after 20 episodes. So yes, that's true. I don't know how, you know, where, <laughs> our, where our through line goes as far as like where we're drawing that graph with our trend line. But we'll see. Okay, so we got a 10, we got an 8, we got a 7, and then we got a 4. Yes. Okay. All right. So. I am super impressed with your 10 for the Night Stalker because I was also going to go with a 10 because it is my second favorite movie of all time. Nice. And that's a TV movie. So, and we talked about this when we talked about the Night Stalker because my favorite movie is Flash Gordon for 1980. But yes, this is definitely, and like, I I actually went back and looked at our, our notes for the Night Stalker and listened to it. And unlike almost every other episode, I didn't really see anything where I was like, well, you know what? (laughs) Like, I did not see any of that. So it's super solid and it's awesome. I love it. And so it gets a 10. The Night Strangler, and we talked about this with the Night Strangler. I think the Night Strangler production wise is better Mm -hmm. than the Night Stalker. But... Story-wise, the Night Stalker is a better story than the Night Strangler. Mm -hmm. So it's that weird kind of thing, like the production quality. And I think that's because Dan Curtis directed the Night Strangler, where he's the only produced the Night Stalker. So he's getting you get more of those kind of visuals, like that Dark Shadows kind of action, that kind of stuff. So like it just it just looks better, but the story isn't as great, I think. And so I would give the Night Strangler. Mm-hmm. I can't decide if I want to go eight or nine. I was thinking nine, but now that I think about like the night strangler, there were things I was like, really? So hmm, I'm going to go with a nine. I'll go with nine. Nice. Okay. So 10 for night stalker, nine for night strangler, the ripper. We're copacetic. Go, I was going to go with a seven. Nice. So wow. seven for the ripper, it's a shorter, it definitely has some issues. It's got some writing problems, like things making connections. Like we talked about, like the number of bodies, like why do we have the Wisconsin bodies, you know, the mm-hmm. Milwaukee bodies, and then we've got Chicago bodies, but they're apparently only counting the Chicago bodies. So what's going on there? But yeah, seven. And then for this one, I'm gonna go. Hmm. I Was gonna go with a five, but now again I'm thinking, like, mm, maybe a four. I don't know, you <laughs> might be right, especially with the uh, uh, people will maybe be able to figure out when we're recording these in relation to when we record X Files episodes. I've had a huge string of X Files episodes where like everything is getting a four lately, so for like different reasons. And I, I've kind of called like the four like our, our midline for the X Files, um, because we never we haven't given a 10 yet, but oh. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, mm, i'm gonna go with a five and then maybe we'll see if i have to readjust that with two or four but i'm gonna go with a five this one definitely has more holes and then just some like not yeah but there's some good stuff in there i mean we we get we get gordy you know
1: oh yeah he's cool but it does also
0: have monique (laughs) um so and then i will be interested to see if we get like Every episode is gonna be like a different police captain. Yeah. They're like they are like, oh I can't do this. I'm quitting because I can't handle cold check. So all right. So your end 10, 8, 7, 4, and I'm going 10, 9, 7, 5. Nice. So wow, I have higher scores. This is this will be the uh, <laughs> this will be the this will be the run where I had don't have the lower scores all the time. Cool. Not all the time. We've had a couple where, yeah, we flipped on X Files. So that
1: is very true.
0: All right. So next episode, I heard. It, well, I've already seen it. You haven't, correct?
1: No, not yet.
0: Okay. It's a little more X Filey, possibly. Oh,
1: nice! Yay!
0: Yeah, it might be aliens. Oh, yeah, it might be. Well, that's we'll exciting. Out. We will find out next week
1: so join us next week
0: yeah I, we, that sounds like we should probably do the credits that sounds like you were starting to do credits oh yeah were, it does you are stealing, stealing my lines actually in <laughs> the credits what are you doing? alright let's do this
1: I Want to Rewatch is hosted by Tori and Nick and recorded at Black Cat Studios
0: episode production design and editing is by Lazy End Productions our music is Dark Science by David Hillowitz. and the truth is what we make of it by the agrarians
1: Our premium feed is where you can find all of our X-Files adjacent bonus episodes covering television and films that are, you guessed it, X-Files adjacent. If you like these bonus episodes, tell a friend about our Patreon page. We'd love to have them join us.
0: Speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode three of Kolchak the Night Stalker. They have been, they are, they will be.
1: And try to figure out if the the truth truth is is still out there. The truth is what we make of it.
0: adjacent, that is brilliant. I don't know who wrote that, but they, yeah, it's good. Money. it's good. It's good, yeah. Well, speaking take of which, it out of our fund because I like, <laughs> hear we're rich now. So, <laughs> speaking of which, be sure to join us next time as we rewatch episode three of Kolchek the Night Stalker. They have been that's on a separate line, so let me redo that. <laughs> mean they have they are they will be that would work too but yeah we need the we need the be we need the um the verb okay as we rewatch episode three of kolchek the night stalker they have been they are they will be and try to figure out if the
1: truth is still out there
0: if the truth is still out there
1: i was trying to figure out what that title reminds me of it's an episode of angel it's called are we now or have we ever been Uh, i was like where i've like heard something. that was like yeah you know when something like something else too i want to say there's
0: another episode of something or there's a movie that's similar like that where they do like the tenses as the title
1: yeah yeah just i was like i know i've heard that somewhere where have i heard that like like not really the same but like an outer
0: limits episode or something that's what it kind of sounds like
1: yeah it does
0: or twilight zone or something